Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Welcome, Dr. Chris Lee. He's the spiritual scientist, a consultant, and coach helping people enhance their lives. He's the founder of Elemental Shift Consulting. He integrates life experiences using modern-day neuroscience. His brain-based approach to living a healthier life has taken him from the boardroom of Fortune 500 companies to local schools, which I love. He shares our passion and our purpose of sharing his story to help others. Hi. Hello, Shanna. How you doing? Hi. Howdy. How are you doing? I'm good. We're so excited to have you today. I'm so excited to jam. He also is the host of a podcast as well, The Healthy Mind Fuck. I was kind of bummed when I listened to your episode with you and your brother and he didn't throw out any dirt on you. No, it's good that I can edit those, huh? (laughs) Snip, snip, snip. You did one with your mother. Yeah, she's been a counselor and a therapist for like 35 years. Probably has a little bit of wisdom. For sure, for sure. So has she been a huge role model then in your life when it comes to some of the psychology that's behind some of the work you do? Man, that's such an interesting question. So like I, this like trajectory that I'm on right now was not it for me at all. I was going into like business and I was just going to go be like a chiropractor and that was it. And then you're going to be normal. I was going to be normal. Like quite literally, like I was like, Oh my God, like white picket fence and like a nine to five can't wait for it. And then like life hit me literally black SUV, like hit me like a truck hit me and the universe said, we got, we got different plans for you. And then, you know, I started, we always like start the work by like trying to like fix ourselves. Right. And I started to do that. And she's just like, Oh, that's so crazy. Like, this is so, so much of the work that like I do on like, Oh, I'm like, Oh boy. So she has a lot of the psychology and I bring in like a lot of the neuroscience of it. So she's like, Oh, we're doing this and do that. I'm like, that's turning on this area of the brain. And she's like, and that's making them feel like this. I'm like, amazing. (laughs) I know for my son, I have four kids, but my oldest is 23. You have a 23-year-old son. I do. I want to know the anti-aging secrets. Meditation. (laughs) Mm, Weird. Weird how that fixes everything. My son and her son are like best friends. Well, that's what I was going to say. So when when my son has an issue, I'd like to offer myself and my services and my ideas and advice. And it's like, um, nah. That's okay. But like Mandy said, her son comes to me with his feelings and my son goes to her for Reiki and his back problems. So yeah, Mm -hmm. but they don't want to come to their own moms. Weird. Yeah. Our Thanksgiving started off with like about 40 people and we've dwindled it down. Like you had a trauma in your life. Do you want to talk about it? Do you think it's manifesting (laughs) in physical symptoms in your body? Like tell us about it. I mean, my mom are over here like cutting vegetables, like really like and people progressively walk away crying it's like no it's okay to feel it's okay to feel <laughs> right huh? world war right. II, that, it's okay i know mandy and i would be pulling out our tarot cards <laughs> yeah just throwing quartz crystals across the room you'll be fine <laughs> yeah what's funny was after connor left he came over mm-hmm. here of course to get money <laughs> 
And he says to me, you know, mom, Shanna had me really thinking about like my childhood and she cut a cord for me. And we were really talking about how my emotions could be what's storing in my, you know, with my back problems. And I said, yeah. And he goes, but mom, I'm not a sensitive guy. Like, I don't, I don't really have feelings. And I said, really? So I started asking him questions and he's like, okay, maybe I do. But Great question, actually, to ask you, Dr. Chris Lee. <laughs> what happens to somebody when they when they don't want to acknowledge that they have feelings? Man, so especially with men, and this is this is something that I very much like intellectually know, and I very much like intellectually studied this, and then like experiencing it through my practices has been like totally different ballgame, right? we kind of pick up our belief systems, right? At a very young age and we kind of, in a lot of ways, the brain develops by modeling. So we look at the other men in our lives for like young boys and then for women, we look at the other women in our lives. And then we kind of express potential through how we see them. So if we're not experiencing emotions, emotions are the most neurologically dense and spiritually rich substances on the face of the earth. That's where all the lessons are, right? And the nervous system knows that. So if we don't experience them, we don't, they don't go poof, right? They don't go away. We just put it in the USB drive to store for another time, right? And that would be the body, right? So then we're just like, I'm gonna put this in the low back and it'll be fine. And then when we get to that feeling of safety and we feel like we can finally express and learn from that, which for a lot of us never comes up, that's when the emotion will kick back up. But most of the time we learn really, really young age, suppress it, don't express it. Yeah, he actually said that to me. He said, you know, being an athlete my whole life, I was told be calm and composed and, you know, pull your shit together and get it done. And he said that that's just what he's always done. And that's just like, in a lot of ways, that's, that has been like the level of consciousness that we've been at. Right. Yeah. I would say even for women, yeah. we're told that too. You don't show emotion. You don't show that you're too stressed out. You do what you got to do every day and you don't let your kids know that you have stress, which I don't agree with that. I did that for years, showing them that, Hey, you know what? This is stressful. That's just being authentic and real and then shock the shit out of them when they get older and they're like, fuck, yeah. how did my mom do this shit? Yeah, because then we start to get this perfectionist mindset and then these emotions come up and it's like, oh, something's wrong with me. And that just spirals into, well, now I got to find other means to like express myself and then again, suppress the practices that are allowing me to express. And then authenticity just keeps getting layer after layer after layer after layer until eventually we just like, collapse and then we have these monstrous yeah. breakdowns yeah the podcast you did with your brother i sent it to him and said listen to this because your brother was the same at 22 he had such bad back he was also an athlete but that was a great podcast for sure and he's he's the same way so he and i have been athletes our entire lives he is is swearing okay what's the what's the fuck no hell no. oh, yeah Nick is a brick shit house. He's going to be so pissed. He's like 5'5", five, five, but the dude can quite literally bench 350, which like is a lot of weight for someone that small. He's just insanely strong. And like a good older brother would beat the shit out of me because that's just the way we did. So I got fast, right? And then we developed uh, that. So I started to run track and I played soccer but he was 18 and had this insane low back pain and he had it all the way up until he had 
this extraordinary technique done on him called torque release technique in chiropractic school, which is not typical chiropractic, right? It's a very fine-tuned instrument that has so much research behind it, but it puts in a nerve impulse at the same frequency that your spinal cord resonates at, and it facilitates the expression of those patterns so that the system can like integrate it. And he had one adjustment in this technique and it was gone. And he had this back pain, like he got it shoveling snow when he was like 15 and it was gone like seven years later from like one little like, oh, there it is. Like awareness, right? So much awareness. Amazing. Yeah, that's exactly what I told Connor. I said, sometimes that's all it takes is just for you to keep those thoughts, just to bring some attention to it and yeah. intention. Right. Oh, now we're talking. Talk spiritual to me. You sound like Mandy and I, where you have yourself involved in like a little of everything. Yeah. I don't feel overwhelmed in any way. Like, I love what we do. Yeah. It's easy to complicate it when it really breaks down to it. It's, it is like simple, right? Yeah. If, I think if you're aligned with your purpose, you'll have more smooth waves than fighting against the waves. 1000%. And that, that was, that was so much of spirituality for me. And as a young man, I wanted to believe in spirituality so much because everyone was saying those types of things like you know you just need to trust that like source or god or spirit you know whatever you want to call it and name it is going to guide you and that this life is happening for you and there's this unseen world with invisible forces that are animating the entire universe and it seems so magical and it seems so outlandish that i couldn't believe in it and that's what took me to science because science in a lot of ways proves spirituality and that's what took me to the neuroscience of so much of this is, you know, the expression of spirituality in the physical is what we call science, right? So if we can like put some science behind it and build that believability index, we're just guiding ourselves back to that alignment with source spirit or whatever you want to call it. And if you need some science to do that, and that needs to be the bridge that takes you to that next land, amazing. Do you agree that spirituality and science are shifting and merging together more than ever today. for sure it's impossible like there's the duality that we need the spirit and the structure right and those two things are amazing and it's all just one big happy thing right so for me in a lot of ways like spirituality is my science it allows me to believe in my own inner potential and it allows me to express that in a unique and profound way that is my soul print on this world and yeah i i don't think when you really get into the work and you take it to the depth of your own practices that you can separate the two of them it's just it's two different roads going in the same direction to the same path right yeah you said in one of your videos that you went from oh shit in your life to hell yes can yeah. you can you tell us what the oh shit looked like for you yeah. So 22 years old and I was just finishing up a neurophysiology lab. I was about a year into my doctorate program and like any good student that just gets crushed by one of those examinations that you walk out and you're like, I didn't get a single one of those answers right. I wanted to go home, drink wine and watch friends and cry. Sitting in class for 18 hours a day, not my thing. So I was riding my bike everywhere because I was in Atlanta at the time. So went to Walmart, which was the only place I could afford at the time. Went to the clearance department, got a nice 99 cent bottle of wine and like 50 cents chocolate. And I was going home to just 
have you know my pirated Netflix and just live my best life. On the way home, uh, a black SUV decided that the stop sign was optional. And I was bombing down a hill, probably going about 30 miles an hour on my bike. And he was probably, we think, going about 30 as well, hitting into a ditch. Didn't stop, kept going. All I remember was turning and seeing him coming and just thinking, well, and then blackout. So I woke up in this ditch and I, I didn't know what was going on. I obviously had a concussion. My bike was broken. Backpack was still on me. I was like, covered in like some liquid and I was like oh dang it the wine broke some gentleman had come like two hours later I'd laid that like laid there for a while and some guy was coming and he just saw the bike and then I was attached to the bike um and like he was like trying to help me up and I was like so out of it so out of sorts that I couldn't talk so I just walked myself home got home collapsed uh and my brother came home about an hour later took me into the bathroom he's like we got to get you cleaned up what's going on and I was like at the time I was like you know I got hit by a car um, you know, trying to like verbalize this. And he's like, what is all this like on you? Like, why are you so wet? And I was like, uh, it's this, I had a bottle of wine in my backpack. I'm sure it just got crushed. And he should, he like goes into my backpack and he pulls out an entire bottle of wine, not broken. So what we had found out after that is uh, he was, he's a physician as well, right? So I had internal lacerations and I was bleeding internally. We run to the hospital. We're like, you know, make sure his kidneys aren't, aren't lacerated and this, that, um, the other thing, make sure that I was okay. Long story short, uh, had these internal lacerations, thought I had a broken pelvis and a bucket handle fracture, which was just a bad thing. Um, so they catheterized me and sent me home and said, cool, you're probably not gonna walk or run for like nine months until this thing heals up. Come back in about six weeks and we'll x-ray again. That was awful news for me. Chris, so, what happened to the driver of the SUV? No idea. I, I have no idea. Some what? bad thing I'm sure probably happened on the road because karma probably came in and yeah. an SUV probably hit him, but I don't know. I have no idea. The dude didn't stop. Oh my Literally. God, that's terrible. Yeah. Nobody else, there was no witnesses or no, anything? We were going down this back road and I don't know if they had to get home, but or whatever the heck it was. Yeah, we have no idea what kind of happened. The alcoholic in me needs to know two things. There's a bottle of wine for 99 cents at Walmart. There was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, holy shit where was that back in my dream called day? like three wishes right and i'm sure it was from like 2015 i'm sure it had so much mold in it that it was just like toxifying my body <laughs> so two weeks had gone on and i'd spiraled into like this depression because i couldn't go outside because the catheter bag would inflate and push things back where they shouldn't be um so it's kind of just stuck on bed rest until my brother could kind of come home and like help me shower and things like that because it's just in a lot of pain Two days after the two week mark, me and my brother got a call from a family friend. Haven't talked to this guy in a long time. This guy comes busting into our apartment crying. And he just looks at my brother and I and says he's gone. And he's talking about our dad. And what we had found out at that time is that our dad had committed suicide out of nowhere. We had no idea that this was coming. And you know, my physical body was kind of already tethered, spiraling into this depression. And then this happened. And I was broken. So the guy leaves and like me and my brother just look at each other and we just cried and cried and cried and cried. And we're laying on the floor. He and I both like don't even know what the hell's going on. He calls my mom who ends up flying down and we had a funeral. We just started to figure this stuff out. And in the process of that, you know, one of my really good friends up in Michigan where I'm from, his little brother had also died here. Two weeks later after that, um, and just there's a bunch of shit just swarming around my life. 
And at that time I was 22 and the strategy that I had was kind of drink, right? And then, you know, suppress it, right? Like that was kind of like what I had. So I started going back to school and my body, you know, kind of healed here and there. Couldn't really sleep at night, this, that, and the other thing. Three or four months had passed and I was dating an extraordinary woman at the time. And my body had obviously healed enough to do what the doxycom told me was impossible. And boom, baby. So it's 22, baby on the way, no dad, all of this just kind of happening. And I, I just, I, I ran out of tools, ran out of strategies. So what ended up happening is in February, I would just go for these long drives at night. I couldn't sleep at night. So I'd make sure that, you know, she was taken care of and that she had fallen asleep because, you know, this was unexpected for the both of us. And then I just go drive and try to like, you know, not hate life. And I was driving this one night and I just kept having this vision of an old Nintendo 64 that has the reset button on it. And this idea started to manifest in my head. I could just hit the reset button. It would be that easy to just hit the reset button. So I tried, took my seatbelt off, set the cruise at 120 miles an hour, rolled all the windows down, reclined my seat, went on the expressway, waited for a tree to kind of come and like be the reset button. And that was like my low, like that was like genuine hopelessness that there was nothing better for me except whatever else wasn't this. And this is when spirit said, nope, not today. I genuinely do not remember a moment between the time of 2.30 and 5.30 at all. Hypnotherapy and all these other modalities that I've tried in the past, I have no idea what happened in that timeline, but I woke up in Tennessee in a Waffle House and I was purging in the bathroom. Didn't hit a tree, car was fine. I just remember blacking out and from like crying as hard as I possibly could. And I woke up in a Waffle House and I had no idea what was going on. And I'm just throwing up and throwing up and I'm like, you know, what the heck's going on? And I kind of start coming to, um, and I'm like, what, what's going on? I'm trying to talk to this waitress that's like taking care of me. Were you sober, completely sober? 100% sober. Wow. So was yeah. this kind of like your wake-up call? Yeah. So people are like, is this the spiritual awakening? And I was like, for sure. Yeah. The harps and the clouds. And it's like, no, throwing up in a Waffle House. Yeah. Uh, that's how it that, is. That was the moment. Uh, and it wasn't pretty and it was ugly. So they ended up just taking care of me. Um, they had no idea who I was. And I'd come in like a hurricane, I'm sure. And they just took care of me. Like the chef or the cook that was there, like went to a Kroger and bought me like shirts Cause I was like oh. all covered in just all this stuff. Like they just genuinely took care of me. They fed me, gave me coffee. And then in the midst of that, uh, I asked for a napkin and a pen. And I ended up writing a declaration to myself that no matter what, I'll be better tomorrow than I am today. And I just oh. never stopped since then. Yay. I'm like cheering you on. That's yes. awesome. Sorry about your dad. I lost my dad too. It's hard. I'm very sorry about that. Thank you. I'm so grateful for it now. Um, and mm -hmm. you know, everybody has their own path and you can't do other people's work type of thing, but this is, is genuinely the best gift that he could have, I think, given me. Um, and I say that too. And, and like, people are going to think I'm crazy, but yeah, I remember getting to that point too. And yeah, I wouldn't be where I'm at today without that loss. Yeah. That was a lot of, oh shits. Yeah. But yeah. that answer, that was the, oh shit. Cause it, it just yeah. happened. It was like, oh shit. Big oh shit. shit. Oh shit. Yeah. And then yeah. you just like, all right, there's no, there's no more lower. The good news is rock bottom is hard enough that you bounce. Right. Yeah. So then I started the rebound process. 
Yeah. So that's when you got to the hell yes. You started. It was a slow, slow, creeping process. When I was your age, I had a lot of similar things happen to me. I also hit what I thought was my rock bottom. And and then I lost my brother and then my alcoholism. And then my husband was 18 and I was 22. And we'd only known each other for three weeks and I got pregnant. So we had that oh shit too. But it took me 15 more years of oh shits to find. You needed a Waffle House, Mandy. <laughs> Waffle House and some, oh, house. <laughs> and some coffee. And it'll, it'll save you. That is, that is the bread of life right there is, the is Waffle House. The wisdom of the Waffle House. I'm, I'm seeing a book for you, Chris. <laughs> yes. So yes. where did you go from there? So at, at some point in my drive home, I just sat in silence and the thing that kept like resonating with me is knowledge is power. And I had felt hopeless and I felt powerless in where I currently was. So I went down the realm of like, okay, if this is where I am, knowledge is power and I don't have any of that power right now, how can I continue to functionally educate myself in how to live life? Right? How can I functionally take me from oh shit to like a really great life? Because I knew there, there must be more, right? Like this was a profound experience where Jesus had quite literally taken the wheel and like driven for like an hour, two and a half hours to like get me there, whatever the heck happened, right? Like I still, it, it's, it's frustrating and it's one of those things that I'm learning to just like, all right, it happens, like don't make too much out of it. So what I started to do is I knew that I could still make good organic meals for Phoenix's mom. And then I could have about a dollar a day and I would take that dollar and I would go to the Goodwill on 25 cent book day and buy four books with it. And I kind of had a deal that I'd slip them a dollar and they like kind of like break me of taxes. And I just started to digest books as much as I could um, because I still couldn't sleep at the time. So what I would do is go to the Waffle House again and I'd go in there with a stack of books and a yellow legal pad, every personal development book I could find on the shelves. And I would just devour these books throughout the night and just started to fix myself and heal myself and just find who I was trying to become. Like the, the universe had a bigger plan for me and it was now my turn to remember my potential and to return to that. So two things. First of all, I think you've definitely got two sponsors already lined up for your, your podcast. We've got um, Waffle House, obviously, and then sure. Carrie Underwood with Jesus Take the Wheel. Uh, you had said at one point that you had a mentor that said knowledge is not power, it's potential power. Can you explain that? Exactly. And this, this had taken me to this point. And what I had started to develop is a dopamine dependence on information. So I had started to feel better, but it was the feeling of accomplishment of finishing a book that was giving me that sense of fulfillment. And it still wasn't coming from within. It was an activity that I was doing that was producing an extrinsic result, right? So I was doing something that was still external. And while it was in a way getting me in a better direction, the thing that I needed to do was take action on that information because all I was doing was consuming, consuming, consuming. And what a nervous system does and a brain does in this sense of stress is like a squirrel does before winter. It gathers and it stores and it gathers and it stores for impending stress and a scenario that's going to perpetually come, right? So that's what I've been doing is just gathering and gathering and gathering. So in a three-month period of time, I almost read 250 books. And 
had not taken a lot of action on those things. So while I had felt better, if you really looked at my nervous system and really looked at my brain waves and the way that my physical body had healed, I hadn't gone a long distance, but I had now the potential to do that. So I had now created a bunch of this potential energy, right? So I'm carrying this rock to the top of this hill. And I had so much of it that it just took a very small amount of action, a very small amount of these practices and rituals to really start to kick this thing into overdrive and really start to heal myself. And so many of us now, it's so easy. We are drowning in information, um, but we are so thirsty for wisdom. Wow. When did you have the shift that you really wanted to help other people? So I was back at the Waffle House. Shout out to Waffle House. Um, so I was back at the Waffle House and I had a stack of 15 books. And the method of speed reading that I learned looks absurd, right? Um, you can essentially go through a book and you go about a minute to a page or like about, I'd say not a minute to a page, but um, a second per page. So you're very quickly flipping through and what you're using is a very small fraction of the subconscious's possibility and potential to scan books and you prime your nervous system in a bunch of ways and it just looks insane. So what I didn't know at the time is it's like two, two in the morning, one or two in the morning and I'm in there just crushing these books, have noise canceling headphones on like seven cups of coffee and my legal pad, and my blue pen. And I'm sitting there crushing these books. Um, there's like a mountain of them, right? And I didn't realize it at the time, but there is the public's headquarters um, right next to this Waffle House, or it's like down the road, right? So they had just finished up a really late board meeting and they had come in to get like dinner. And I hadn't realized that they had come in, but these guys in three-piece suits kind of walk over to me and they're like, so we have a bet. Half of us think that you're going to be like a non-verbal like savant that has something on like, you know, the autism spectrum and that you won't even be able to communicate with us. And you have this like rain men mentality, right? The other half of us that have kind of been where you are think you're just trying to figure life out and whoever loses has to pay for the meal. So I say, I'm just trying to figure my shit out, right? And I, I have no idea kind of what's going on, but I know that my brain is creating a lens of reality through which my mind looks through. And right now the view isn't good. So I'm trying to change it. And they went like, the fuck? <laughs> So they do sit down and we have a cup of coffee and we start explaining this thing to them. I start telling them about how perception works and all these different neuroscience things that I've been diving into. Um, and they go, well, will you come teach us? Will you come like just consult at the company like next week? And I was like, what does that even mean? What is consulting? Um, they're like, we need you to come talk to people. Like, can you come talk? And I'm like, probably like, I'm not like really a speaker or anything like that. And they're like, don't even worry about it. Like show up next Thursday at this time and come in and talk to us. And I was like, whatever. So I went in there, had, you know, Navy uh, joggers on and a graphic tee. And I walked in there and I'm like, I'm here to, and I didn't even say the right word. I don't remember what I said. Yeah. I'm like, I'm here to talk. Uh, or I was like trying to be a professional. Like I'm Chris and I'm here to consult for, uh, for a group of people. Oh, they told us about it. <laughs> Yeah, we need a waffle house. You need a waffle. It'll save your like those 99-cent waffles. Just, uh, yeah, ruins your heart, but saves your spirituality. So I walk in and about 14 people in there and they all have Rolexes on and they all have their Mercedes keys on the table and they all, they're writing with, you know, $50 pens. And I walk in in my like 10-cent joggers and like my like 10-cent shirt and I'm like, is this it? And one of the gentlemen that I had met the other day is sitting there with his, you know, $5,000 Rolex and he comes up, he's like, Chris, 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 come here, come here, I told him about you. 
and like a hush falls over the room. They were just like, dude, you couldn't have like dressed up for this thing. And I was like, I have no idea what to expect. You guys didn't tell me anything. And they're just like, you know what? Tell, just, just tell them what you like told us the other night, right? So I sat in there and I sat in the room with them for about two and a half hours. And that was like, you know, my first like speaking or consulting gig. And over the progress of that, uh, I'd taken on two of them as personal one-on-one -on -one coaches, which is a funny story. They're like, do you have a coach or like, do you coach? And I was like, I don't know what sports do you play? Um, they're like, no, like a professional coach. And I'm like, for like what, like a sports team? Like, I have no idea what you guys are saying. They're like, no, like do you mentor people? And I'm like, I'm trying to figure out my own And They're like, will you just keep talking to me about this once a week? I'll give you $500, $500, my God, yes. Um, and that was kind of how I got into all of this. And then, you know, we're kind of got around that this like hippie walking around barefoot and his joggers is like dropping neuroscience in Atlanta. And I got a couple other gigs off of that. I started teaching other students at the school how they could use their brains more functionally to integrate more information because uh, getting your doctorate, no matter what you're doing, chiropractic, MD, naturopath, PhD, it doesn't matter what it is. It's a shit ton of information and it's meant to break you. And instead of having that happen, we just, we, we have an educational funnel and we have the funnel upside down, right? And what I wanted to show a lot of these students is how to flip the funnel right side up. So the information is going in way more functionally and that you can take information and make it you know, applicable to your life and put yourself in scenarios and better functional ways to study and things like that. So that was how a lot of this studied. And then I just started to translate it into business, relationships, uh, motivation, and all these different modalities and did a speaking gig with a couple students and they told their students and it just snowballed. Unbelievable. That is such a rad freaking story. And I absolutely love that you went in with your joggers and your graphic tee because, you know, to be completely honest with you, if I was sitting in a room and you came in all dressed up and started talking about neuroscience, my brain immediately would be like, oh, fuck, I'm not going to understand anything this guy says because um, it's going to all go over my head. And I loved that about your videos and your podcast is you are a very intelligent person and you break it down and you keep it so simple for people. The work that you're teaching and giving people these tools to integrate into their lives are very simple as well. And I love that about you because it just, you're very down to earth and you have a way with words to explain something very difficult to people like me. <laughs> mm, that means so much to me because I've, I've really, that's been something that I've worked on for such a long time. Because if I go back and like look at like some of the first videos I made, like I'm like looking off to space, like explaining these things. I had no idea how to look to a camera, I'm explaining all these different areas of the brain. And I'm like, I can't understand it, right? Uh, and then somebody had shared with me an Einstein quote. I was like, you can't explain it to a third grader. You don't understand it yourself. Can you just break it down real fast? What is neuroscience? Yeah, so neuroscience is looking at functionality of different portions of the brain. It's looking at what the brain is actually doing during specific activities, right? So like the frontal cortex, like what's its job, what's its function, what's its structure? The occipital cortex, what's its job, what's its structure, what's its function? And we're trying to, in a lot of ways, I think neuroscience is really looking at functionality of the meat suit. Right, and how is this master organ coordinating everything in the body? 100 trillion cells, and all those cells are doing 10,000 different chemical reactions per second. How is the brain orchestrating and coordinating that? But even more fun to me is the brain is housing the mind. 
and the mind is this you know etheric thing but if you go to a cadaver lab and you pull a brain out it's it's a it's a piece of jelly but it's housing the most extraordinary thing on this universe like soul is like been downloaded into this thing like consciousness that's where it seems we're all going so if you look at like neuroscience that have been in the field and they have their tenure, they all go towards consciousness. The same thing with physics, right? Like people that are going into physics and, and quantum and all that, they get their tenure and then all of a sudden they're writing books on consciousness. And I, that's more so I think the direction that a lot of this is going. I think that's more so the collective direction is we're curious. More now than ever, yeah. we're curious about who we can be and how we can be. I understand it from a healing perspective. Right. And that's, that's your yes. extraordinary lens because if you started talking about, you know, different healing modalities and the energy yes. of it, I would be lost. And I'd be like, what are you guys talking about? Like, so we all have our unique gifts and all our unique strategies for like healing. And we attract our tribe in that way. I also read that you use uh, neurofeedback and biohacking. Can we talk about those for a moment? For sure. I would love to talk about that. So this is really where I've taken my coaching and my consulting to the next level. So I'm a tire kicker, right? So people were telling me, you know, trust in spirit, trust in source. And then I went to science because I just couldn't do it at the time. And most of us have that similar challenge with our own potential. Like we all have that thing. And I call it white ceiling syndrome where you're trying to sleep at night. It's just like, did I do everything today to live my best life? Right. And you're just staring at the ceiling going, fuck. Like, did I? And then it's like 2 a.m. You're like, now I got to sleep. And then the anxiety rolls over. So what I wanted to do is really prove to people how to prime their nervous system and then show it to them what it looks like and what it feels like. So I used to wear a device called a BioStrap. I now have an Aura Ring, which is what this is. And what it really does is measures your nervous system in a couple different ways. So we're looking at what is your system actually doing? Are you in this state of abundance? Are you in these different physiological states so we can prevent burnout, we kind of watch it happen throughout the week. So I can look at my client's information and you know talk to them on the phone and like, so how are you doing this week? And they're just like, I'm doing amazing, extraordinary. Like I can't even believe how good I'm doing. And then we look at their data and it's like, yes. So the brain is really, really good at coordinating lies and trying to protect itself because vulnerability means death, right? So it'll lie, cheat, and steal to make sure that it maintains status quo. The biofeedback makes sure that we're maintaining truth and honesty and transparency because a lot of these people, myself included, will not rest until we burn out. But if you do that, you crush it for three months, then you got two weeks of a burnout, and then you got to start the fire back up, right? Versus, well, where's the sustainability, right? Like, why can't I just live in my potential, like, all the time. And that's what the devices were really able to do for myself and for a lot of my clients is like, you're saying this and I'm telling you that if you continue on this trajectory, you're pushing instead of being pulled, right? And you're using way more energy than you should. So let's take an incorporation. Let's take a reflective day. Let's kind of get back and integrate what's going on in the system. And let's do some reflective practices that are going to get you better aligned with who you're going to be. So for tomorrow, right? Can you take the day off? Can you just relax? Can you just have time to integrate this into your system? And then let's see what's really going on. And then two days later, they go, oh God, you were right. Jeez, I was burnt out. I slept for like 14 hours yesterday and I just, uh, I don't know what it is. And then we're like, cool, right? So now we can rest. 
now we can integrate this, right? Like go be with your wife, go be with your kids, just like relax for a second. And then we can talk about strategies about how to build this thing back up for you and really get you more sustainable. And that is how we prevent the burnout. The simplicity of some of the tools that you give to people, that really attracted me because throughout my recovery, something I've been taught is kiss, keep it simple, silly, mm. because we like to make things so complicated. And I was always my worst enemy in making things way more difficult than they were. I loved your video on how you talk about how you can rewire your subconscious without hours of meditation, books and whatnot. And you started out with journaling. And that's one of my favorite things. I call it, you know, the five P's. You put pen to paper, it gives you perspective, it gives away the power, and then you I pray on it. I call it my oh, five. Geez. Yeah, Mandy's like the queen of the acronyms. <laughs> I, I actually took it even farther. I was like, pen to paper, it gives you perspective, takes away the power, then you pray on it. And then if you need to, you can pick up the phone and call someone to, you know, have an authentic conversation. Oh. That's amazing. What's happening in your brain when you do journal? Yeah. Oh my gosh. This, this is hopefully going to be the, the new tool for Titans in the future. So what journaling does, and you cannot type, and I made this fatal mistake for about six months when I thought, oh, I'm just, I, I have these ideas flooding into me. I'll just type them out. Journaling slows you the fuck down. And that is so crucial. What it really does is build awareness. So if, if you're out there and if you've never journaled before, head yourself to the Dollar General, get yourself a nice five cent big pen and get yourself a spiral bound notebook. Both of those are probably 50 cents or less. And all you do is set a timer for 10 minutes and you just throw up on the page anything that you're thinking about, right? This is called the pages exercise. And this is something that I work a lot of with my clients. Like I've never journaled before, like keeping a diaries for like girls or like whatever the heck it is. I'm like, that's adorable. It's weird that royalty has been doing this for thousands of years and that kings and queens have journaled. Like weird how that is. So if girls are doing it, fine. Put a pink fluffy hat on my head and call me a woman. I'd be honored. Um, <laughs> so what journaling really does is slows you down. And what this pages exercise really does, and I stole this from Marianne Huffington, um, is it starts to look at patterns in your life and patterns in thinking. So if you're writing in your journal, I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. That's like typically how I start this thing. Like, I don't know what to write. I really don't know what's going on. This pen kind of feels funny in my hand and there's a fly running around my head. It'll take you down a path and you'll eventually grab traction for what's going on in your real life, right? Because as soon as you start just to do inspired action, you just start to writing, the truth will come out. Right, because now we're kind of getting into the subconscious, kind of running on that autopilot. Timer's really good at that because it puts enough stress in there in a safe environment that allows you access it. So what I tell people to do is, if you've never done this before, do it for 10 minutes for five days straight. And at the end of those five days, go back through with a highlighter and start to look at patterns. What were you thinking mm -hmm. this day and how did that coordinate to how you were feeling and how you took action that day? And then you can kind of go back and look at those triggers that have kind of spiraled you into that direction. And that's a really amazing way to start to do what uh, Dr. Daniel Amen talks about, killing ants, automatic negative thinking, right? Because that's where we need to put the blockage up. And that all begins with awareness, right? At some point in your life, you need to say enough is enough. I'm sick and tired of this roller coaster and I want off. right? Because if you don't put new perspectives and new neuroplasticity and novelty in your life, in a positive way, your system doesn't give a shit. It'll go find it in the most negative way and the most toxic way possible because it thrives on novelty. It thrives on knowledge. 
and it doesn't care how it gets it. So by slowing down, you now get back in the driver's seat of, I want to give my life direction. I want to live on purpose and in purpose. And journaling is an extraordinary tool to kind of take stock of where you're at. You threw out something that blew my mind, the one to nine negative versus positive ratio. Yeah, yes, it's pretty, pretty gross. Um, when we start to like look at some of like the thought triggering research that's coming up is your nervous system does something extraordinarily well and it's designed by this through evolution. It's gonna take your current circumstances and what it's going to do is compare them to the past in an attempt to predict the future. This is your current stress bias perspective building tool. It's just a bunch of shit to say, you are constantly in this state of projection when you're in a stressed out state. So what your system's gonna do is do this subconsciously, like truly subconsciously, no idea this is going on. Like for some reason, my system's taken in this information, thinks that I'm safe. So it's gonna try to create a future that, right, whatever. But nine times to one, your system's going to project a future that's negative and threatening. And then it's gonna give you the neurochemistry because all it's gonna do is stamp a label on that vision of the future and say, danger. And then it says, cool, here's the neurochemistry because that's just a guess at what the future is going to be. And it's probably going to be a lot worse than that if I really had to take a guess. So here's a bunch of cortisol. Here's a bunch of norepinephrine and that frontal cortex where you have your logical brain. We're going to shut that thing down. So I don't need you thinking logically when shit's about to hit the ceiling. I need you reacting, right? I need you to go, oh shit, screw you and screw that. And like protect the self, right? Protect the meat suit. And that's what that nine to one really does. And it's just a, a really good example. If you don't take the reins of this thing, something else will, right? The animation that runs the meat suit, you have default programming, just like your iPhone, right? You can go through, but most of us are using our nervous system. Like you'd use an iPhone just as a calculator. You're using such a fraction of its potential. Step one was journaling. And then I have to say step two, because I believe it's the core of where healing begins. And that's gratitude. Gratitude is the attitude. So gratitude does so many amazing things. And what it really does more than anything is the reticular activating system, uh, which is the portion of your brain sits right on top. And it kind of has like tentacles um, that go and connect and coordinate with a bunch of different areas of the brain. But what the reticular activating system really is, is a pattern recognition software. Its primary function is to look at uh, light cycles. So in the morning, we have, you know, the beautiful sunrise that comes up with the pinks and the oranges and the blues. We get that signal in the reticular activating system, connects to the suprachiasmatic nucleus and says, okay, cool. Here's a little bit of cortisol to wake you up. Have a great day, right? Type of thing. And then at nighttime, we start to get the oranges again. And what the reticular activating system does again, it goes, hey, here's some melatonin, put your ass to sleep, right? But the primary, the secondary function of the reticular activating system is coordinating mental activity. So what it's looking for is pattern recognition of what's going on. Now, what we've realized in the past is that you can put in information in the morning time and the system will kind of recognize that pattern and it'll go out and seek more of that. And that's exactly what gratitude does. It'll activate that reticular activating system and you're grateful for things in your life and like by default, the universe has, you know, the law of resonance, things that, you know, attract to each other, call the law of attraction, call whatever the hell you want, built into your system. You have Google and you have the choice of what you type into the search bar. Gratitude has you typing in, I'm so grateful for this extraordinary life, right? And every spiritual teacher for the end of time will tell you, you know, you can't, you need to have the experience before it shows up mentally or physically, right? Or before, before it shows up physically. 
and neuroscience proves that over and over and over again. So what gratitude does is it primes your system to seek more positivity. It makes you more optimistic because you've already placed yourself in this state of physiological gratitude. So your system is now responding to all the amazing things. So you hit a red light and you're in a negative state, didn't do your gratitude practice and you go, fuck, like I'm gonna be late for work versus you hit a red light, you did your gratitude practice and you dropped yourself into a more alpha brainwave and you're just like, what an amazing moment to just fucking be present. And like, this is like literally happens to me where I've like hit a red light and I just go, fuck, and like start like yelling at people and we just become reactive and it's stupid. And then like the next day I like got up early and like did my practice and I hit that same light and I was like, I've never noticed these, these flowers. Like they're amazing. And they're like, oh, my favorite songs on the radio. Like that's what it does, uh -huh. right? It's like, this is another portion of living by design. So you can program this thing in there because if you don't type, I want a better life into the Google search bar, something automatically will fill it in. So you push one letter, you hit F. And instead of going for like, oh, frankincense and flowers and oh, wow, amazing things. It goes, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> and then it just like goes and spins out of control and it fills in the blank, right? Like right. you have an overactive like search automation and that's just what the system does. So yeah. it's your choice, like doing gratitude, like it makes you feel good. Like, why would you not do that? And I think most of us get so caught up in, oh, I'll do it whenever I'll do it then. You take yeah. sticky notes, right? Like put some sticky notes, like I have whiteboards all over the house because like, I'll just walk around with markers and like, what grab like, and that's what like my daughter Phoenix, like she sees me doing that stuff. So like she's just picking up the practices and things like that. So that, that's what gratitude really does. Is it puts you into this state of physiological abundance that everything's just gonna work out. And it does, right? Like in the end of it, it just works out. If it's not working out, it's not the end. So I get up at 4 a.m. every day and I used to just wake up with a meditation cushion, but now I, I wait, I just do the weight diet thing. I just go put my feet on the ground and just, oh, thank you. Because okay. like every day that you wake up, put feet on the ground and you go vertical is a miracle, a miracle. Because some people do not have that, right? Some people yeah. wake up and they're still horizontal and then they just go up, right? Like you being in the physical body, being able to experience these things is a gift. Like yeah. be grateful for it. I want to give everyone just the best tip, just from a state of like neuroscience, before you go to bed, Visualize yourself being happy, putting your feet on the ground, because the hardest thing for people to do is to just spin and put their feet on the ground. But if you prime your system as you're falling asleep for the next thing to do when you wake up is to just spin and put your feet on the ground, you'll do it. It's such a small practice, but like when I couldn't get my feet on the ground, I was just like, what tools do I have to like create and like virtual reality research is showing, you know, visualization, waking reality. The brain can't tell the difference. Just go with 10 seconds, just like feet on the ground and just feel happy. And if you need to feel happy, the other cheat system for like dropping dopamine into your system is think of someone you love. So put the action and think of somebody you love and it'll mix the neurochemistry with the experience. Pen to paper, journaling, then it went to gratitude and then kind of led into emotional intelligence. What is that? Emotional intelligence is your ability to cultivate and maintain and sustain an internal environment despite external circumstances, yeah. right? So your nervous system by default is going to create meaning and charge from non-biased things, right? So get the stimulus, the stimulus is unbiased, and then we create emotions around that. 
So you either are dictating your emotional sense or your environment is doing that for you. Huge. There was also something I love that you said. You said, if you listen to the whispers, then you don't have to deal with the screams. But that hit me so hard. I loved that so much. Oh yeah. And this has to do with anything in life, right? This is, this is awareness on a million different levels and hold space for yourself to like, listen to what's really going on, whether that's in journaling, meditation, going for a quiet walk, any of those things, like take the time to be present with yourself because the whispers are there, right? The universe speaks in silence and you have to be able to shut the fuck up and get the fuck out of the way so that the universe can work through you type of thing. Yeah. Amen. A lot of people are living in this fear. There'll be so many people that are going to have jacked up nervous systems because the state of fear our world is in right now. Do you agree? In, in a lot of ways, yes. So the thing that fear does that is not negative is that it enhances focus, right? Mm -hmm. Fear enhances focus. It gives us very directional, this is what's happening type of thing. But what it's doing for us right now is very destructive to constructs that are not serving us. So it's being destructive in a creative way. It's really knocking at the door of like, oh shit, like the, the Black Lives Matter movement that's happening right now is kicking down the fucking door to things that we weren't going to talk about because it was subconscious to our cultural construct. But now fear's knocking at the door and giving us a telescope to take a peek at that. So amazing. Now we can go through and now we as a species can heal that and transform not just a group of us, but all of us collectively. Right. And that's what this is trying to do. And that's what a lot of this work is really doing. And in a lot of ways, fear really serves a purpose in how it breaks down so that we can build back. Wow. wow I love that. You're finding gratitude in fear. Been taught that fear only means negative. So thank you for that. That was just huge to me right now. It's crazy that my mind has always categorized fear as only bad. That's, you know, another one of those like cultural like constructs that we get. And in a lot of ways, that's, that's a lot of, you know, the, the spirituality movement is like fear is bad. We want to be in this state of love and abundance, but we live in a dualistic universe, right? That well, just is, like how, how pain can bring awareness to, you know, your body. It's, exactly. it's kind of the same thing. Exactly. Love it. Yay. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Yeah. This has been a riot. I haven't had this much fun on a podcast in like a long, 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 long. <laughs> We're going to offer you a little more fun. And now it's time for Break That Shit Down. Can you, for our listeners, break that shit down? Fuck yeah. So if you want to go from oh shit to hell yeah, it's all about dopamine reward cascade systems right? Rome wasn't built in the day. You don't pave the road or you don't eat the fruit on whatever tickles your fancy on that. Neurophysiologically, it's celebrating small victories. So that's the thing that I want to deliver to your audience today is no matter what it is, I don't care if you're taking the trash out. I don't care if you didn't yell at your husband. I don't care if you didn't yell at the kids today. Celebrate your small victories. Those stack up to just huge, huge transformations in your life. And then learning how you are being triggered by your system, right? What is your nervous system doing? And whether you want to be able to like measure that and get into some of the work that I'm doing or celebrate that with these extraordinary women and really get into some of this energetic healing and transformational work that they're doing, find somebody that can help provide you space to see your blind spots, 
right? Because you can only go as far as you can see. And if you can't see beyond who you really are right now, you need to have somebody that can. So learning to meditate, 1000%, journal and gratitude. Those three things, when you look at the most successful people in the world, happy, healthy, wealthy, they do all those things all the live long day. And that's the state of abundance that they've created. Like your nervous system is a big piece of clay. How do you want to mold them? And find a Waffle House for Christ's sake. Fuck, go, go to the nearest, I'm gonna go to the Waffle House with my next one. <laughs> I'm starting to crave waffles. I want waffles so bad right now. I, I absolutely love that you have open phone lines that you offer to people. That's freaking brave. I love that you do that. I've never seen anyone else do that. That you can actually go on and there's a booking link. And that's where you offer people to call and talk about, you know, their story and their goals. That is so rad. I love that. Can I love you, that too. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you? For sure. So most of the content that I'm producing right now is on Instagram on my, and on my YouTube or head over to drchrislee.com. Doctor is fully spelled out because some jack wagon that runs a photography company who I'm super grateful for. Um, took doctor, his name's Joe, like Jack, I don't even, he's a good guy, I'm sure, right? He's a good guy. Um, but if you guys head over there and get signed up on the email list, I send emails out. It's not spammy or anything like that. Feel free to unsubscribe. It just doesn't click with you. But most of my content is all on my Instagram and there's a link tree in my bio. Um, you can book out a call with me right there on the spot. So come jam with me. Everybody has a unique story. Everybody has a unique system. So the needs that we all have are unique. So there's not a one size fits all. It's always an N equals one equation. So I want to help people find what that N equals one is for them and how they can cultivate a better life for themselves and get rid of all the shit that we think we're not worthy of having. Wow. And check out your podcast. Yeah, I have a podcast trying to think what other plugs I got out there. So I got a podcast <laughs> called The Healthy Mindfuck, which these amazing women are both going to be on. Uh, go check that out. It's everywhere that there's podcast machines. Patreon blog that's going to come out soon. Oh, I'm opening up my group coaching to the public at the end of July and taking them through all of this work. Nice. And we're going to rock and we're going to jam. We're going to learn about the nervous system in six weeks. Well, congratulations for doing life great. That's awesome. Yeah. Flipping single dad and following your passion and turning your pain into purpose and being vulnerable. I mean, I just love you. I want to put you in my pocket. In your pocket? <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Change the color on this thing so it doesn't look like I'm blushing. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. I enjoyed this very much. So thank yeah, you. Same here. Like I said, this, this has been amazing and amazing. And for you guys listening, go freaking review and leave a comment for their podcast. You guys have no idea how helpful that is to getting like the message out for these ladies. And they are amazing. So do them a huge favor and do yourself a favor. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, I, this is the part I always hate the goodbye and pressing the leave button on Zoom. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. Have a good one. Thank you so much. Talk to you guys soon. Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's